Greg Gregory here, and just a note before we begin this week's episode of the Teamwork Advantage. Our guest today is Susan Drum, an expert at building resilience. You will love her story, and you'll love how she can help you build resilience. Be sure to listen. At the end of the, the podcast today, you will find she offers a link exclusively for Teamwork Advantage podcast listeners. If you don't get it in the broadcast, go back to the podcast notes and the description. I'll have a link there for you to download. Take care. And now, let's get to the podcast. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage, the podcast that focuses in on teamwork, leadership, and culture. I'm your host, Greg Gregory. And we're fortunate to have with us today an entrepreneur, a graduate of Carnegie Mellon, Harvard Law, as well as, you're going to find out a little bit more, the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Susan Drum is the CEO and advisor and leadership coach focused on helping leaders and their teams develop the capacity and the mindsets to lead in today's disruptive environment. And we know how disruptive this environment has been this year. She has been running a boutique consulting firm, Meritage Leadership, with a cadre of 15 coaches since 2006. Meritage Leadership has worked with private equity firms, their emerging portfolio companies, as well as large corporations such as Oracle, Viacom, KPMG, and A&E Networks, as well as Symantec and many, many others. Susan, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here with you. I'm excited about this. Uh, you and I have never had the privilege to meet before. And so as I was reading over uh, some of your background and Meritage's information, it was really fascinating. And I want to get right into this. Where does London uh, Academy of Music and Dramatic Art fit into Harvard Law? You never know where a, a gut instinct is going to take you, is what I would say. Absolutely. And um, most people think that I went to drama school first and then law school, but it was actually the other way around. Um, I, uh, as I, I mentioned, I went to Carnegie Mellon uh, undergrad. I, then I went to Harvard Law School. And I decided pretty early on I did not want to practice law. Um, I was working for different law firms during my summers, and I just could tell this was not this was not going to be good. And I was, I remember dreading graduating because I'm like, what am I going to do? I have a hundred thousand dollars in loan debt. I can't just, you know, I, I've got to, I've got to find something else. So I got into consulting um, at BCG, Boston Consulting Group and did management and strategy consulting and a couple other different twists and turns. I went to work for NBC um, television in their marketing and business development side. So I think I was always interested in media and, um, and the acting world. I'd always done acting on the side. But um, at one point, I felt very lost in my career, honestly. I, 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 wasn't pa I, I know I need to be passionate about something to really um, dig in. And I, I didn't, I felt a little lost. And here I am with these degrees and, you know, plenty of opportunities, but I, I didn't have the passion for it. And so I just decided to take a hiatus. Think of it as like a sabbatical. And 
um, go to what I was passionate about, which was acting. And I went, I was living in London at the time and um, applied for some programs and got into a wonderful program that focused on Shakespeare, restoration theater and Chekhov, the classics. But here's the thing. I never knew at the time how impactful that would have been in doing the work I do today. And if I hadn't fall, fallen that intuitive sense to do something different, because it really does play in. I mean, I think as an actor, you learn so much about that inner critic, that voice inside your yeah. head. You have to learn to manage that to be a good actor. You have to learn to have executive presence and, and really speak um, uh, and connect in an authentic way. And I kept thinking as I was going through this, wow, there's gotta be a way, some of these things could really be helpful in business. But I never realized that now that is, a, you know, some of the work that I do. So it's, uh, it's amazing how it all comes together. Absolutely. Give me your definition there. You said a key phrase. Um, you must have executive presence. How do you define that? And how does executive presence in acting come into play in business? I, I think it's this ability to be, first of all, presence is being present. Mm -hmm. So often I see leaders that are far too distracted that can't necessarily feel you don't, they don't give their attention and being able to connect in that way. Right. But internally it's a confidence that comes through and it's a combination of strength, which is the confidence side and warmth, which is kind of the heart side, the vulnerability side. So those two things for me, when I'm working with leaders on executive presence, I'm looking, some might tend to skew a little bit on one way, some might skew a little bit on the other way. Mm -hmm. And we wanna find that nice balance um, and that ability to work on the internal critic or whatever voice is going on that may be tripping them up, that, that doesn't have them be as authentic as they need to be. Exactly, and the neuroscience comes into that as well. When we start right. looking at the, uh, the amygdala and how that triggers inside of the brain. So that's a huge part of that. If they're too focused on the, the, the factual side and not being hard and uh, soft enough on the warmth side. So that right. can be a challenge. Right, that's, right. That's fascinating to recognize that. Now you're primarily focusing in, the program we're gonna talk about today is, is building resilience. And you offer that, I think, through several different aspects through Meritage. The question is, it, it, we've always known leaders need to be resilient. I think that's just been the case at least 50 years or more. They have to find ways to reinvent themselves all the time. How is it different now? I mean, we've got the COVID-19 pandemic. It's still in full swing. How do we, how important is it and how do we do, build resilience? I think, yes, you're absolutely right. It's always been important, but it, the importance of it has really come to the foreground of you better be resilient or you may not make it through, you know, essentially, and your business. And, 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 and we're faced with disruption at the level that we've never seen in the past. So if you think about it, change is happening at, with, with escalating complexity. Things are getting more and more complex, faster and faster. And it's a little bit like a wave. If you can't keep up with it, it will you know, crash over top of you. So I was interested in this concept of resilience well before the COVID crisis hit, because right. you know, I, I looked at leaders and I wondered why the very similar situations would be presented to them. And why would one leader 
be totally fine and able to handle it and surf with it and almost kind of get a little relish out of the challenge and another leader fly off the handle and lose it. And, um, and I, I kept thinking, well, is this something that's innate? Were they born with it? Can it be learned? And I also was interested in, for my own use, uh, you know, when you're in this work, you might, you, you probably know, Greg, um, sometimes when you have to debrief and give tough feedback, the feedback gets, triggers someone and they turn and start to fight you on it. And so having sometimes, what's that? They take it personal. Yeah, they take it personal, but they also attack you in the process. Right, in the process, they will attack, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, you through the data, whatever that it is. But you can tell that it's, it's beyond, you know, hearing the feedback. It's just a, it's just a protection mechanism. But you can know that. But when you, f you feel that energy coming at you so many parts of the day, so many times during the day, it can, it can affect my resilience to stay, you know, to stay uh, present because I could easily then go to, it could bring me down. So I was interested in both for myself and my ability to handle sometimes very tough situations. Um, you know, it's, I hate to use this, my dad was a dentist, so I hate to use this analogy, but sometimes trying to get this feedback, people aren't like usually really super excited, but they know they need to do it, yes. you know? And so I can feel, I can feel that energy coming at me and I, and I want to create a safe enough space for them to hear it and to do things, but I need to be in a good space to, in order to make that happen. So I wanted to do it for me too. So one of the things we talked about a little before we uh, went online here was about 360 feedbacks. Is yes. that something that you do? Because uh, can you develop, let's look at it this way. There's questions always been asked about leadership. Are you born with it or can you develop it? What about resilience? Are you born with that? Or is it something that you can learn and nurture and create? I believe the latter. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen in leaders, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, you know, since 2006, uh, with my own business since 2003 in leadership development. I've seen leaders develop it over time. So I have, the, I have the, the, the length of time to see that people can develop it. And, you, and, and I've developed greater resilience by using some of the techniques that we use. So um, it is, yes, I do believe some people may be naturally more resilient than others. And a lot of that has to do with upbringing, what type of challenges did they face as children and how did they overcome them? Um, but wherever you are is where you are. So that's what we have to work with. And you can grow where you are, just like you can grow new neural synapses and pathways in the brain. So too, resilience is just one of those. So right. absolutely, but it requires focus and it requires practice. And it requires repetition, a lot of that. Yes. Yeah. I'm going through a book right now, again, called The Atomic Habits, about using the little habits to create the big changes. Yes. The, the power in that. So let's talk about the 360s. You guys use a 360 in your business. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Now, is that a tool that is used to help develop a resilient for a leader or is it something else? Well, it can be. It can, it, you know, it will certainly show how resilient are you when you get your feedback, right? How, how do you, I was like, like you are who you are in everything you do. So it's a good indication of how right. you how you handle it. But, um, but yes, it looks at what we want to look at and all the assessments we use is under 
under stress and in conflict, how do you show up? Because it's easy to show up when things are going awesome and your team is performing at 100% and you're winning all this business and life is carefree. But that's not reality of life, unfortunately. We're faced with challenges like the COVID crisis. And so what we want to look at in the 360 is how are you handling challenge and adversity and, and how is your team experiencing you through that, right? How, what does your leadership look like as a result of that? So what are you seeing with some of your clients? How are they being resilient or how are they stumbling through their resilience through this COVID-19? I mean, let's face it. We've been turned upside down a number of times. You feel like you're on a tilt-a-whirl somewhere at an amusement park in your business life. So what have you seen work? What have you seen not work? Have you seen other leaders pivot? Not to use that yeah. word a lot, but that's what's being used. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, about this, this crisis, there's just been such extreme winners and losers. You know, if you think about certain businesses with, in some cases, no rhyme or reason, you know. Um, I mean, the reason, it makes total sense based on, you know, if you're, in the hospitality industry or travel industry, your business is getting hit far greater. If you're in uh, real estate in a mountain town, you are crushing it right yeah. now. Well, <laughs> almost anywhere, the real estate is crushing because people now realize they can work from anywhere. Yes, well, and it's not, you're not crushing it if you own an apartment in a high rise in an urban area. Yes, that's true. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. so, I you saw know, the story recently, by the way, about uh, some uh, college kids, because they're having to do it all remotely, they're going to the islands of the Cayman Islands, Barbados, Jamaica, and they're taking their classes there and hitting the beach. So It sounds pretty really great, right? Now that's being resilient. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, what? So I think there's obviously a mindset of what, huh, what's the opportunity here for me? And how, how do I, how do I pivot? As a result of that. And so fundamentally, there's a little bit of a belief that you can, that you are not your business. As much as we like to say we think we are our business, the more you believe you are your business, the more I think people get caught up in uh, the level of stress that will bring them into, will just basically freeze them um, or bring them down to a depression level. You are not your business. You can pivot. Some businesses are harder than others, as I mentioned before, but just really trying to look at what the opportunity is. So I would say the businesses that are thriving in this are really showing up to their employees, to their customers and clients in a way that shows their heart and, and, and with a lot of empathy. So um, there's far more connectivity on the businesses that I see that are very successful. They're doing weekly town halls. They're taking, allowing the rest of the organization to see them in a better light um, and see them more often. And there's just, they're trying to create better connectivity with their clients and their people. And, and that's just made them stronger as a company. So those are, those are kind of the ones that are really do, doing much better through this crisis and standing out. Okay. From a personal standpoint, different people handle things differently. We all know that. Um, some people 
Uh, the old example, of course, is the glass half empty, half full. And there's a lot of people who are just doom and gloom with everything, and there are other people who are always optimistic about everything. What are we seeing now in our, our internal emotions? How do our emotions come into play with that? How does our behavior, our personality, does that come into play at all? Absolutely. Actually, in staying resilient, emotions are a huge uh, part of that and becoming more aware and, and working with them. So um, in, in our program, we, we basically talk about resilience coming in three areas. There's resilience, heart resilience, which I'm going to talk about. And so a lot of times people are surprised that we're talking about the heart here, but it is absolutely key to maintaining resilience. Yeah, the head, which is what we talked a little bit around inner critic, and we do a whole program around kind of managing head resilience, and then the body needs to be resilient. Um, the body actually, your body language, your, your um, you store memories in your body, so all of that. So those three areas, but I would say when we talk about emotions, emotions are uh, truly the, the term I've heard I love is the language of the heart. And that's why we say what we look at is how many, how, what proportion of the day are you experiencing depleting emotions versus renewing emotions? So I can describe a little bit like what are each of those, but the key is what we're looking for is to get this state of coherence where the heart and brain are working in a aligned fashion. Think, yes. Right, in sync. And um, most people don't know this, but the heart actually sends um, signals to the brain, more signals to the brain often than the brain sends to the heart. So the heart is a leverage point for you and tapping into emotional states is a leverage point for you to raise your ability to stay resilient. So how does the neuroscience come into play with that? I know there's a, there's, there's a tie in there somewhere. How does that come into play? So again, if you're, what you practice is what you become. And so that's why I ask, the more you practice as something, the more you're developing the neural pathway to make that, a, I call it like the four lane to the eight lane highway. If something's new and you're just learning it, it, it will feel like you're taking your car through a country road, right? Bumps and, and or you're, you know, yep. creating a new trail. The more you practice it, the more it becomes the dirt road, then the paved two-lane road, then the four-lane highway, then the eight-lane highway. So where the neuroscience comes in is what do you, starting to notice what's your eight-lane highway, like what's your, where are you kind of on default and you don't even realize it, and where do you need to, sh to switch, and it's going to be bumpy at first, but it's really going to, the more you do it, when we talked about before about habit, the more it's going to become the new neural path. And that's why we say, how much of your day you're spending in depleting emotions versus renewing emotions? How to shift that? And we're talking emotions, not just of the heart. Well, emotions are the language of the heart, is what I would mm -hmm. say. So, Sounds so, like a Hallmark movie. So, yeah, exactly. But it's like, <laughs> but it's, it's the reality. So the emotions, your emotions will determine uh, certain emotions, whether or not you're in the highest reasoning part of the brain or not. If I'm if I'm in deep fear or anger, that the amygdala, the oldest part of the brain, is what's taking over. And right literally, the prefrontal cortex is being shut down. So 
I can't make the best decisions in that moment to be, to stay resilient. So that's really how the emotions are ultimately going to drive how well performing the brain is given the conditions that are faced. Right. And then making them coherent or co yeah, coherent with the brain and the body and getting it all to work together. Yes. Because right. they all will drive each other. It's, 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 yeah. it's a centrifugal force at that point. Yeah. If we were to talk and figure out three things that the average person, whether it's a CEO, a frontline manager, a mid-level supervisor, or a frontline supervisor working in a manufacturing plant, regardless of the level, are there three things that kind of are the core that anybody can do to work right now towards starting to build their own resilience? Yes. Um, I would say what I wanted to share with you was one easy technique. I don't even want to give people three things. I want to give them one easy technique and it okay. is so simple that you might be like, really? That's it? That's what you're talking about? And I will tell you, it makes a tremendous difference. Um, it has to do with, now when I say it has to do with connecting to specific types of emotions and a specific breathing technique, which again, gets the heart and brain in sync. And when I say, so when I say depleting emotions, what I'm talking about is frustration, irritation, anger. Um, those are, anytime you're feeling those through the day, what's happening is about 1400 biochemical changes are occurring in your body. You know, you're getting cortisol is being released into your system. All of those are preparing the body to fight and flight, fight, fight, fight or freeze essentially. And, and, but they're designed to be a short-term fix to take care of you, but they have long-term consequences. The problem is when you're feeling them more often in a day, then you're getting that impact to your body. Contrast that with renewing emotions. Renewing emotions are gratitude, care, love, appreciation. Those are creating a biochemical reverse of 1400 biochemical changes to the good. DHEA is flooded in your system. Um, all sorts of renewing, it's basically renewing and vitality. So if I want to practice more of that, I'm gonna have to get into sync to be able to do that more often. And I, so I literally create the habit in my leaders to do this technique. So the technique, I'm happy to walk you through it if you wanna, if you're game to try it. And by the way, what you're talking about there it reminds me of something from uh, Dr. Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, when he was talking about the emotional bank account. Now, he was talking about it with other people of what you can do to put something into their emotional bank account to get them to feel better. And in this case, we're putting into our own emotional bank account, whether it's an um, increase in the positive or, the or decrease in the negative. Yes. And you can think about it as, I'm going to do this so that I build my resilience and think of it as an inner battery. So you're building the, what we're about to do, build your inner battery so that when change comes at you and it will, you are better able to handle it. And, and I like to use the phrase unmessable with you're, you're not oh, as wait, knocked wait, wait, off. Let's make sure we got that word, right? Unmessable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You got to check Webster's see if that's in the dictionary. <laughs> yes. So this technique, by the way, was developed by the HeartMath Institute, who does a lot of research on the um, emotions and how they impact uh, both health, overall health, as well as brain function. 
Okay. So what we're going to do is it's a, a simple breathing technique and uh, ha have you connect to a regenerative emotion. And I'll walk you through the process. Uh, it, this is not mindfulness and not meditation. So after, after we do it, I'll describe how other leaders have used this and yeah. not just leaders, athletes and um, military others have used this. Okay? okay. So, but let's do it first. And I invite the listeners to do it along with, and why, why not get a, a, a great benefit? And I'll take a step ahead on this one. This podcast, of course, is going to come out on audio and we're going to listen in audio version. Uh, when it comes out in video, make sure you come back and watch the video portion. I think it's going to be equally as helpful. Yeah, great. So the first, there's two simple steps. The first step is to focus on the area of the heart and imagine your breath flowing in and out of your heart area or chest a little slower and deeper than usual. So imagine maybe five seconds in, five seconds out. So just do that a couple times. Now, while you do that, make a sincere attempt to experience a regenerative emotion, such as care, appreciation, or love for someone or something in your life. I like to think about my new puppy. Okay. Okay. How do you feel? Focused in on uh, my dog, just like you. Yeah. <laughs> unconditional love of a pet is amazing. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. You know, it's, it, that, that, that builds my resilience every time I come back in and I haven't taken him with me. So yeah. Yeah. See how that does that. So how are you feeling as a result of what we just did? Um, I can feel the heart rate has slowed down. Yeah. I feel more present. Mm -hmm. more like the um, the pressures have slipped aside they're over here out of the way and yeah. just living in the living in the moment I mean I hate to use that term but that's kind of how it feels yeah more present and that is executive presence <laughs> right Excellent. right there right then right. and there Here's the thing, you can do this. So, so I do this to build my levels. There's actually an app that will, we can, we can show through heart rate variability, whether or not you're in coherence. So the way coherence looks, and that's what basically what we did, we synced up in that process, the heart and the brain, your heart rate variability looks like a perfect sine wave. When you go into incoherence, which is those depleting emotions, and your heart and brain are kind of, think about it as one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas, it's, it's like a jagged line. And um, I'll tell your listeners about where you could get one of these apps and, the, and you clip it to your ear to monitor your heart rate variability. And it helps, it's a, it's a program that helps build your resilience. 
Um, so at the end, I'll, I'll show you where you can get that. Right. I use that every day and it allows me to track how well am I staying in coherence and building that over time. And wear it through the day. So what, I don't wear it through the day. So what I do is I just do it in the mornings mm -hmm. um, and I do it every morning and I do this technique and I'll do it for a little bit longer than we do, but you really, you can, you can do this in one minute or two minutes. I kind of use that to top off my battery, but I want to start my day with a full battery. So I just do that technique for about 10 minutes five to 10 minutes in the morning and five to 10 minutes before going to bed. And then throughout the day, perhaps like right before we got on the call, I wanted to center myself. I did this technique and I come in a much more present focused way versus whatever else was going on, like the long guy showing up and all the other sorts of stuff that might've been interfered with, with our podcast. And, and so I think that ability to, to practice it, what I've noticed for myself over time is you get a certain score every time, like how well we're in coherence. I've been doing this, I think for about two years now, and I keep upping my challenge level because you can change the challenge level and it's higher and higher coherence. What I notice happening in my life is when things come at me, I am not as triggered. And I also know that when I am triggered, which we're human beings, we're going to get triggered. Yes. I know what to do in the moment. And that's why when I um, recently was at a conference with others who had learned this technique um, uh, relate, uh, connected to heart math, there were people there from all different types of businesses. There were, and, and, and professions. There was um, an F-16 fighter pilot. There was a, uh, the head of chief of police for all of Colombia, the country. And he was there to teach his officers this technique. And part of it is this ability when stressful events come at you to shift and reset in the moment. So that's why I say it's not like meditation is awesome and I do meditate as well, but it's not like you have to go off. You could, you're in a meeting and you're feeling your blood pressure rise. Just no one has to know that you're doing that. You just take a moment, breathe a little slower and deeper than usual and connect to a uh, regenerative emotion and mm -hmm. you will see the difference in your ability to handle that situation. Yeah. Increasing the oxygen in the body is an amazing thing. Yes. And so often yes. we just sit there and we're going and the panting breath and that's not helping us. We need to slow that breath down. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so that's just one technique and not all our techniques are breath related, but this one is a simple one that I can share with listeners on the podcast that I want I just know people are struggling right now and I really wanted to get this message out so that right. they have something they can do. Well, that, that's powerful to think about that. And the key thing there was that, that I really liked was just take one or two minutes yeah. because when I try to sit and meditate and I've got friends of mine who are great at meditation, they've worked with me and I struggle with hard meditation because after about three minutes, I am so distracted my brain is going in different directions after about three to five minutes. So this is one to two minutes to get me recentered, which I think is powerful. Yes, exactly. It's a recentering tool, but in addition, that's why I also encourage you not just to do it when it's uh, in the middle of the day, but build your resilience when you don't have all the distractions. Right, exactly. Right? Build that capacity. Yeah, starting off the day that way is, is just powerful. I speak about something called the three zones of life, our comfort, growth, and panic zones, which panic, of course, is your trigger. 
And this is a great tool that can really build into that to help us expand that growth zone so that we don't hit that trigger point as fast or as hard. Yes, yes, exactly. Great. What do you call this uh, technique, by the way? Oh, quick coherence. Oh, quick coherence. Quick coherence. Quick way to get in a coherent state <laughs> versus the incoherent state of, ah, I'm crazy. <laughs> Yeah, the overwhelmed state that I've been in for a lot over the last few years. So yes, 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 that is powerful. As we get ready to wrap up, resilience is key. What is something that a leader can possibly do with his or her team to help them build a little resilience? Obviously, we can talk about the quick coherence uh, concept. But if we've got listeners out there today who are leaders themselves and leading other teams and they're struggling with how they can do things with their people. They may not always have uh, team members that have webcams and the ability to get on cameras and do things. Is there something that we can get that's easily transferable? Yes. Well, obviously, yes. Doing teaching this technique and, and others in building resilience. There are many things you can do, but as I think about what could I offer very quickly, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in looking for the small wins and the big wins. So starting your call with um, asking someone to share a win or a success story puts everyone in a, a better place. Um, there's that one, but I've also seen um, uh, gratitude and really showing gratitude on your team. So having um, rotating where each person says, gives gratitude to someone on the team. And if you don't have enough time, you rotate that maybe on your weekly meetings. Um, you know, each person rotates taking just two minutes to give someone else on the team some, some gratitude and appreciation. And then next week it's someone else's turn. Mm -hmm. Those so starting your meetings in that place of coherence right then and there where we're, we're focusing on our renewing emotion mm -hmm. puts everyone in a better state to listen. I absolutely 1,000% agree with what you're saying. What do you say to the person who says, this is a bunch of foo-foo? Well, I... <laughs> that's so funny. Um hey, they're entitled to that. Like, I'm not here to convince you. I just know what works over time. And, and you see it work with people. Like you said, the, F uh, the fighter pilot and things of that nature. And I've had other people on here. I've had a fighter pilot on here who talks about being centered in the same way. So, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, don't, don't listen to what I say. And if you've been able to build resilience in some other ways, that's awesome. This is not the end-all, be-all of all techniques by any means. Nope. I found it works for a lot of people searching for that. And it's a simple and tool. It's a simple tool. And if it doesn't work for you, then I hope you have a technique. But the key, the key thing is, I hope you have a technique. You have to have something. Yes. Um, yeah. Because life is getting crazier and crazier. And if we don't start taking care of ourselves and our mental health, uh, we're all going to pay the, the price of it. Absolutely. And information is coming at us today so much faster than it ever has in history. And even in the last three to five years, it's faster than it was the previous five years. 
and it's just amazing at that. And yes. we're getting so overwhelmed just by watching the people, even on the roads driving, even because you're there in Arizona and I'm here in Maryland. Um, people are driving a little bit more crazily right now. So yes. you talked about an app. You want to give us uh, how we can get that app? Yes. So we have a little download that talks about the benefits of resilience and has an infographic of um, the model that we use that I mentioned before of head, heart, and body, and how those all relate to leadership competencies. At the bottom of that um, page, uh, we have the, uh, uh, the information to get the inner balance sensor. So the link is basically my name slash team work advantage. So it's Susan Drum, S-U-S-A-N-D-R-U-M-M dot com slash teamwork advantage, all one word. Just like the podcast. And you can put that in your note, show notes too. Uh, teamwork advantage. Yes. I've got that written down. I'll make sure it shows up on the uh, podcast and they can see it in the, uh, wherever they sort of come out there. So they'll be able to see it as well. Awesome. It's been a privilege to have you on board here today. Uh, the teamwork advantage, we do focus in on teamwork, leadership, and culture. Because let's face it, we need all three of those to really have a driving successful team, business, personal life, family life, social life, and all of that comes in together. And uh, our guests here are really great to help us focus in on that from so many different directions. Susan Drum, again, thank you so much for being here. Until next week, when you join us again on the Teamwork Advantage to hear someone else share their thoughts on teamwork, leadership, and culture. Until then, make sure you make it a great day because having a good day is only being average. Bye-bye. This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.